Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, Hawks executive Arthur Trish. Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host, Galliot Anderson. Stops it now behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming. Do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Live from Oklahoma City, it's Tuesday <laughs> night. Seku Smith from the Hangtime Blog and NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, my co-host from Slam Magazine, uh, Reader's Digest, uh, <laughs> people. Where, I mean, you got 94 jobs. Um, GQ, where, where don't you work, my man? You got to keep the checks coming in, man. <laughs> CTC, baby. CTC. <laughs> Lane Whitaker is the man, folks, this week. Before we dive into finals talk here, live from Oklahoma City, Miami Heat and Oklahoma City Thunder getting ready to get it on tonight at Chesapeake Energy Arena. Lane, I had a, I had a nice long flight from, from Atlanta to Oklahoma City. Right. Um, I needed something to look at. I, I burned through everything else I had. And lo and behold, I get a nice little link before I left. The, the Dream Team Oral History in the July edition of GQ Magazine, penned by no other, none other than our man, Lang Whitaker. Some fantastic, fantastic work by you. Uh, kudos to that, sir. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, it's uh, anytime you're at 30,000 feet with your headphones on <laughs> and laughing out loud, there are people sitting around you that, you know, they're like, wow, that must be good, whatever you're reading. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's good, lady, you know, like... <laughs> When you see what Carl Malone said right here, lady, you'll you'd be laughing too. Um, where, where did this where where did the idea come from? First and foremost, it was GQ's uh, brainchild. They called. And they were my editor Devin Gordon called and said, "Hey, um, back in January, he was like, hey, we want to we want to do this for the 20th anniversary for this summer for the Olympics.'" And uh, mm-hmm. so I started back in January. I started tracking people down, seeing who I could find. I read everything I could find from from back then. I, you know, I went through all the archives at all these different newspapers and stuff, and uh, right. um, you know, magazine, anything I could find, and then started trying to find guys. And uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It, you know, I don't, 
I remember watching those games. I'm sure you do too. And, yeah. and as a fan watching those games, you know, I just remember watching like amazing dunks and things like that. You know, I didn't really remember some of the like little things around it. Like I found some of the old videos on YouTube and, um, the, the play by play on those games was Marv and Mike <laughs> Marvin Lazar. So, right. Um, just stuff like that. Find, you know, they scrimmage against this college team, and then you find out uh, the college team was Chris Weber, Penny Hardaway, guys who, <laughs> you know, went on to have amazing careers. So, uh, and then just the team itself. It, it was a it was a lot of fun. Do you remember watching those games way back then? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I remember watching them, and I remember watching all of the build up. Like it was, yeah. you know, I remember just how. I'm trying to remember what other athletes won medals that summer. Because I'm, now that I think back on it, it's like usually there's a track athlete or a gymnast or somebody who emerges from the summer as the, you know, the kind of the dominant story from the Olympics. Right. But all I remember from then, seriously, all uh, that's the Dream Team summer. That was, yeah, that was yeah. the Dream Team summer. Because when 80, 88 was Carl Lewis or 84? Yeah, 84 was Carl Lewis in L.A. because I was there. I went to that right. as a kid. I went there with my family. I mean, we spent the whole summer out there. So I remember that one vividly. But, yeah, the, the Dream Team summer, literally, that's all any, I remember anybody talking about after the I'll Olympics. tell you, the, the other I, – I read up some stuff on those Olympics. The other story that I immediately remembered, and I didn't remember it was that Olympic, but the runner from Great Britain, Derek Redmond, remember he tore his hamstring. Uh, and his dad came out of the stands. Came out, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Helped him around the finish line. Like I, I remembered that, um, but yeah, I mean that was really the dream, the dream team Olympics. Yeah, um, and it was fun to talk to all those guys, and you know, talk to the coaches and everyone else who was around and involved. Even all the people from USA Basketball, the people from the NBA. You know, Rod uh, Thorne, Russ Granick, David Stern, Kim Bahuni, all these people. Um, so it, it was uh, this the story came out really cool. I thought. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. It was great reading. Like I said, I I normally will print something out, take it on a plane with me, and like just keep it in the bag and then get rid of it later. I stuck it in the in the uh, pocket. I was like, somebody else needs to check this out, so I stuck it in the pocket. Hopefully, it'll get some more some more eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, man, because it's worth it's worth checking out. I, listen, I know it had to take a ton of time. Um, I mean, it. it but to get all those guys in, in that piece had to be a humongous time commitment um, on, on your part since January. Yeah, I, you know, and to, and to be fair, I, I got help from. Uh, I called up a couple of people that you know too, Jake Appleman mm-hmm. and oh, Pascal yeah. Giverne, and and they kind of helped me share the load and track down some of those guys. Pascal actually was able to get Herlander Coimbra, the the Angolan yeah, guy who got elbowed. We found him in Angola. Pascal tracked him down. He didn't he spoke he speaks Portuguese, so we had to find someone to speak Portuguese <laughs> and do the interview with him. But we found him, and um, Jake talked to a bunch of the other writers. Mark Anthony Green from GQ got magic. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, a lot of delegating, then just a lot of like you know having to sit by my phone for the last six months because <laughs> you never know when it's going to ring. You know, I woke up one morning. And my phone was ringing on my bedside table, and I look over, and I don't know the number. It woke me up, and I answered the phone. It was like 7 a.m. or something, and I was like, hello? And he's was Lane, this is Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you never knew, like, when, you know, you, you kind of just put all the hooks out there and hope somebody buys. Uh, you, you got the big fish, my man. And, uh, again, like I said, that time commitment, un- unbelievable to, to put together a piece like that. I hope it 
I hope it gets the uh, love it deserves. Uh, yeah, it already has. And everybody else, yeah. It's been pretty awesome last season. You know, and then I think we're taping this on Tuesday. Wednesday night is the uh, NBA TV has that documentary, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. That's right. Um, where they have all, they got all 12 of the Dream Team guys in there. Um, and then, you know, Jack McCallum has his book coming out in a couple weeks, too. He was there right. the entire time. So I think this is really going to be just the summer of the the dream team, you know, remembering yeah. that team from 20 years ago. No doubt. Yeah, we're going to be, uh, in fact, here in Oklahoma City, um, there's a screening for us so for all the folks here from Turner and uh, NBA TV and NBA.com and every, right. everywhere. There's a screening tomorrow night at the theater in Bricktown. So we're going to go watch that, uh, that special that's going to be on NBA TV on, on the big screen. And uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, and, you know, again, I feel older now. You, you bring it up, and I'm trying to remember what was going on in the summer. <laughs> Make me feel old, why don't you? Uh, well, I know you still have you still have a little bit. Of, you're still a little salty about who didn't make that team, aren't you? Oh, I, 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 how Isaiah got left off, and I hope it's well addressed somewhere. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I noticed nobody really bit in your piece, and I don't know if they will. In, in the in the you know the special we're going to see on NBA TV, I don't know what McCallum's book has in store for it, but uh, somebody somebody needs to to give me a straight answer about it because I think it's it's one of the all time great travesties to me in, in in basketball history to leave him off that squad. I, I know people have their feelings about Isaiah Thomas one way or another, but the player to me got snubbed big time that you know by not being on that team. Yeah, you know, and, and I, from what I, from, from the people I talk to, and I know you're going to shoot down these, these, uh, <laughs> what they had to say, but um, there was a couple of things there. You know, number one, well, you had a, at point guard, you had Magic Johnson. They put John Stockton on, right? And they didn't go with the third point guard because really the third point guard was going to be Michael Jordan, right? Right, right. So, from that standpoint, they thought, well, we have all the point guards we need. They also thought they needed shooters because they thought every team was going to zone them the entire time. Um, yeah, now, I, 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 Isaiah, of course, wouldn't have been able to make a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was, people always talk about it, like, or not always, but you hear people say, like, why was Clyde Drexler on that team? But people kind of forget that that was coming off the finals with him and Jordan um, yeah. going back and forth. And, you know, he almost won the MVP that year. So Yeah, yeah I know. I'm just saying, if you know, if Martians had come down, landed on Earth, <laughs> and said, okay, give us your 12 best players, you know, there's no way you'd have left Isaiah out in any other circumstance. I, like I said, it's 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 water to the bridge now, it's history, but it's my one, it's my only gripe about the Dream Team Summer. I loved every, absolutely everything else about it. Just hated that Isaiah didn't get a, get a chance to be part of that team. Right. Um, but anyway, moving on to the finals, you know, and... and some fresher fish to fry on the NBA landscape here over the next couple of weeks. Um, the finals here in Oklahoma City cranked up, ready to go. And uh, let's get into our show here. Our first guest is a guy we've had on before. And, and one of the one of the beauties of, of the finals, Lang, is you get to see the world's best on the big stage. Well, we, we get to get... We get to have uh, one of the world's best beat writers on on the Hangtime podcast again. My, my man Darnell Mayberry of the Oklahoman, who who has been churning out some of the best stuff you could ever see on on, on one team. Um, 
and and I believe we had a conversation with him a while back. That, that said, if we got to the finals, we're going we're gonna to revisit that conversation. Yep. So, uh, Darnell, it's good to have you back, man. Um, oh, it was Yeah, we, I know we talked about this a couple months ago, maybe. Uh, they they grew up in all the right spots, huh, to get to this point, the Thunder. They did. It's, it's sort of amazing how they just almost flipped the switch at the end of the season like that. And actually, it wasn't even at the end of the season. They went 8-7 and seven in the last 15 games. And then as soon as the playoffs started, that's when they flipped the switch. They, they started taking better care of the basketball, limited their turnovers. Their half-court offense looked a lot better. And, uh, you know, you were at one of those games early on, and, and you kind of saw the offense. I remember Sekou. And, yeah. and, you know, we just kind of looked at each other like, you know, what's going <laughs> on with these guys? You know, how are they going to advance when it just looks like sort of disorganized chaos? You know, it just it was just kind of ugly at times. But these guys are really just – done all the right things, and, and they've grown up before our eyes. Darnell, in retrospect, how much of that end of the season, I mean, was that tweaking? Was that them working on specific things, or did they kind of hit a little lull there? I think I think they kind of got bored with the process, to be honest with you. I think in the last month of the season, you know, they knew that they were either going to be the top seed or the second seed, and, and they felt like they could compete with anyone. And as, as we were all watching – from the outside looking in, you know, we were all kind of asking ourselves and them, what's wrong? You know, why aren't you guys playing at the level that you were playing at before? And, you know, it, it just, to me, I think they got bored with the process and, and they knew that they were where they were going to be seated, essentially. Right. And they basically just, uh, you know, kind of coasted the rest of the season. Darnell, it's, it's easy to point to one or two things from afar and say this is what changed or this is what you know this is what looks better or different from what we've seen in the past but is this is this truly a deal where you had to get buy-ins from every direction all these players everybody else around them I mean you don't go through the Mavericks the defending champions the Lakers and the Spurs in, in successive series you know thir- a 13-year stranglehold on the Western Conference by those three franchises, 13, 14 years nonstop of them representing the West in the finals. You don't do that without everybody buying in. Who who are we missing in terms of maybe an unsung, you know, behind-the-scenes person that was key to this whole transformation for the Thunder? I got to give Scott Brooks credit. You know, when no one else will, I will. Because what he's <laughs> done in terms of pushing all the buttons for this team, he's pushed the right buttons, and he's motivated these guys to – to, to not only play the right way, but to play selfish, unselfishly and, and, and to buy in to the greater good. And, you know, it sounds sort of trite, but that's what these guys are about. Kevin Durant has sacrificed his scoring. He sacrificed his shot attempts uh, for Russell Westbrook, I guess, to feel like he, you know, can go out there and put up points. And, and both of those guys have sacrificed so James Harden can take over games late in games at times. So, um you know, and all three of those guys have sacrificed for Serge Ibaka and Kendrick Perkins at times to get their touches. So, uh, just all around, those guys have, have really just bought in to, to what Scott Brooks is, is is preaching, and that's teamwork and, and unselfish basketball. You know, we were talking last week about the the Spurs series and how that was shaping up, and you know, as someone who who was there for every game, what happened between those first two games and those last four games that that turned it around for the Thunder? Well. From a tactical standpoint, starting Tabo Cephalosha on Tony Parker really changed the whole 
dynamic of that series. I mean, that really just threw off the Spurs' offense, and, and they had trouble getting into anything with Tabo Cephalosha really blowing up those ball screens and the pick and roll. So I think that was a, a great decision. I don't know why he necessarily waited two games to do it, but right. uh, you know he, he finally did it and, and, and give him credit for doing it. So uh, I think that was the main thing. But also, you know, and again, it's going to sound maybe cliche, but they just played harder. If you go back and look at games one and two, they didn't play with the same intensity that they did in games three and four. And when they played in games three and four, I think they just shifted the momentum basically by playing hard and, and being locked into every possession uh, you get you saw them giving second and third efforts, and I think after they did that and they saw the result, like hey, we can we can hang with these guys. Then that's when they really realized uh, that they could win this series, and and if they play like that, there might not be a team out there that can stop them. Darnell, I I, I just got back from shoot around the heat shoot around a little while ago. Uh, myself and Sean Powell, Steve Ashburn, are all walking around downtown Oklahoma City. In all the times I've been here, I know this is a uh, a raucous environment and that the, the fans here love the thunder, but I've never seen this many people walking around with, you know, suits on with a thunder t-shirt over the top of their dress shirt and tie. Um, <laughs> ladies walking out of office buildings with skirts on and a thunder t-shirt up to, I mean, how put into context, the, the magnitude of what the finals means to the people of Oklahoma city and, and the fans of the thunder. Man, my neighbor's got blue hair. You know? <laughs> my, my next door neighbor, and, and, you know, it's one of those things when people, you know, your neighbors find out that she's a beat writer for the team, they always want to talk. I don't mind talking, but she always wants to talk to me, and, you know, she's got this blue hair, and I'm like, really? So, but but that's, that's the passion. You know, that's the passion that they have. My wife just texted me a, a, a picture just now as you were asking that question uh, of her and all her employees, her, her coworkers, uh, at work, sitting there in Thunder Blue. Her boss made a mandate that they had to wear Thunder Blue today, and they were going to take a picture to show their, their Thunder team spirit. My wife from Chicago, she's a Bulls fan. You know? <laughs> so it's just that's things like that, little little things, little stories. You can find those anywhere throughout this city. And, you know, I just think that this city has waited so long for uh, a big league sport and, and to be on this stage that everybody is really just – so wrapped up in it and caught up in it that they really don't know how to control themselves. And, you know, it's, it's good to see for the city because nothing has ever brought this much attention to this city and this state like being on, on this stage at the NBA Finals. Well, so what happens now? Do, do, do the Thunder have a shot at, at knocking off Miami and, and winning these finals? I think so. I mean, you look at everybody seems to project them to be the favorite and you know i think the the, the the sports books out in vegas are doing the same and everyone i hear sort of says thunder and six i predicted the same but you know i could see it going either way um it's going to be an incredible series i don't think it's going to be a short series that's for sure both of these teams are really proving themselves to be resilient uh and, and being able to to get back up from 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 being down and and, and being on the verge of elimination so um, you know, I think it's going to be a heck of a series. That's, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I just felt like, and I picked Thunder in seven, um, you know, taking the, the typical preview writer's way out, you know, <laughs> pick it to go as long as possible and whoever has home court. But but I agree, Darnell. I, I think this thing could go either way. And it's, it's interesting to me just the normally guys come into the finals and there's a giddiness about them. 
neither one of these teams strike me as being giddy about this. Like, almost like they've known this was coming all along, which, you know, you, I'm sure you can hope that. But do you sense a calm about amongst the players? Like, I, I talked to LeBron at shoot-around today. Um, I've seen some of the stuff you've done and other people have done with Durant and Westbrook and these guys. Everybody seems kind of at ease about this matchup to me. And maybe, maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe they get out there tonight and go crazy in game one, but I sense a real calm of, amongst all the players in this series. I think the Thunder are definitely going to go crazy in the last in the first five <laughs> minutes. Ain't no doubt about it. I mean, we talk about their age and inexperience, their youth and inexperience, and, you know, people want to say that it's, it's over with. These guys are experienced now. Well, they've never experienced this stage, and I don't think it's going to be so overwhelming to where they can't recover. I just think in those first five, ten minutes, you know, starting lineup when those nerves get going and adrenaline starts pumping through, you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna feel it. They're gonna see what everybody's talking about being on this stage. But once they once they once they get past that those first initial jitters, I think they're gonna be okay. And the thing that I think is important to keep in mind is that these guys all come from most of them come from winning programs. You know, Russell Westbrook made it to two Final Fours. Kevin Durant had some success at Texas. Nick Collison. Uh, you know, making a national championship at, at, at Kansas and Cole Aldridge, even though he doesn't play. But these guys, this franchise has gone out and gotten winners. Um, so I think that they're used to, to playing for, for high stakes, and, and they're winners. So uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue going into the finals. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those first five, ten minutes play out for the Thunder because the Heat obviously were here last year and they know what to expect. No doubt. Darnell Mayberry, the, the man, is going to be all over this thing, uh, and we'll make sure we check you out uh, at newsok.com. Uh, you, you, you do realize this is the first of probably many Junes you're going to spend dealing with the NBA Finals probably. <laughs> we'll see, man. Nothing's guaranteed, <laughs> but, you know, they got to keep these young guys together, and they got to continue to play selfless, selfless basketball. If they do, then, then, then I can see it, but... You know, that's a, that's a lot of ifs. Yeah, that is. But, um, you know, if anybody's equipped for it, man, it's you. And we appreciate you all, all season long, obviously, checking your stuff out. Get another great chance to, to read you and uh, and see how you cover these finals, man. It's excellent stuff. All right, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Darnell Mayberry of the Oklahoma Lang. He, uh, I'm telling you now, he's, they don't get, you know, I'm a, I'm a beat writer aficionado having been one myself. Sure. Um, I'm telling you, he's. He's done as fantastic a job covering a team, especially when you consider the, the dynamic where, you know, you go from a team that's in the lottery that nobody's really paying attention to, to a team that takes these, these you know, quantum leaps year after year in such right. a short span, man. It's, that's a tough thing to, to capture. And uh, he's done as, as good a job as anyone um, that I can remember covering a team and that kind of that transformation and that, and that journey they take from – you know, from the start to, to what could be a pretty spectacular finish here in these finals. Yep. All right, Lang, well, we, we talked to Darnell about the Thunder and, and kind of their path to the finals from the from the Western Conference. Now we flip the script a little bit, talk to our main man, John Schumann of NBA.com, the stats man himself. He's, he's somewhere in this same hotel, Lang. I, I, <laughs> I forget what floor he's on, but I, I know he's roaming the hall somewhere. Shoot, what's happening? What's going on? Not so much, sir. Uh... Which everybody's going to talk about the the LeBron uh, Durant dynamic, but 
this Heat team, as great as LeBron was, they had to get a push from those other guys and not just waiting by. So, I mean, they had to get a push from Batty and some of these role players just to get here, did they not? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the question about them all year is sort of how the role players are going to play. And they, I don't think any of them have been all that consistent. You know, Battier has shot pretty poorly in a lot of games. Mike Miller has, hasn't, you know, shot very well in a lot of games. He's banged up, obviously. Chalmers has been, you know, hot and cold. Um, I think Bosch, though, was, was the biggest difference in, especially, well, obviously, in Game 7. But I think him, him being out there um, makes a huge impact, um, you know, there's a you know start uh, a, a huge contrast between their team now and their team just you know ten days ago. And what do you think, John? Looking at this series, um, if you're the Heat, I mean, where do they need to get something where they maybe haven't been getting it so far in these playoffs? Um, three point shooting is one. I mean, they they did not shoot very well um, from three uh, in the last round. Right. Um, like I said. Battier was mostly yeah, he was hot and cold, but he was mostly cold. Um, same thing with Mike Miller. Um, you know they don't shoot a lot of threes, um, and it's just a matter of you know are LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade going to be able to get in the paint? I mean that's where they make their living. That's where you know they're they're the you know two maybe the two best players uh, as far as getting in the paint and scoring in the paint right. uh, in the series. Um, but you know obviously if the Thunder. Um, pack the paint other guys are going to have to make shots but that's why Bosch is huge he's able to spread the floor um you know he was able to make Garnett pay for for packing the paint and for helping on those pick and rolls um in game seven so but obviously it's got to be somebody else too you know it's got to be Chalmers it's got to be Battier um I don't know how much Mike Miller will play um and or if Eric Spolcher goes real short with his rotation like he did in game seven but we'll see John, did you did you have uh, any better feel for this Heat team? You know, LeBron talked earlier today about him, you know, being in a comfort zone this this season compared to last year. Do they look any different to you? The the emotional or maybe the chemistry, an emotional makeup or the chemistry of this team going into the finals this year as opposed to last year against the Mavericks. The the, the one difference I see is just in LeBron. I think he's he's a little bit more focused, um, a little bit um, more relentless, I guess, or, or he doesn't – there's you know less moments where he takes his foot off the pedal, you know what I mean, just mm-hmm. as far as attacking the basket, um, looking for his own shot and not necessarily um, trying to play point guard. You know, like the, 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 the big deal in that – or the, you know, the big – the problem in that Dallas series last year, he was – Playing too much like a, a six-three point guard and not the six-eight behemoth that he that he is, you know. Right. Um, and I think he's he's playing more consistently um, as that you know six-eight freak of nature, rather than you know looking to be the oh you know looking to pass the ball at the first sign of a, of a double team. Right. And you remember last year in the finals, Dallas kept throwing out that zone at, at Miami and sort of seemed to. to kind of changed change the game a couple times when they did that. I mean, do you think that's something Oklahoma City looks to do, or are they just going to kind of do what they do and, and you know, make Miami adjust to them? Uh, I think they'll do what they do mostly. I don't think they're, I don't think it's too smart to try to throw something in new um, right. at this point. 
Uh, I think, it, you know, the, the chess match could be in sort of the lineups as far as big or small. Both teams have the ability um, to go big or small, especially now with Bosch healthy. You know, the Heat can go with Bosch and Haslam. Um, and it's interesting, they've been better going big in the playoffs, but they were in those two games against the Thunder in the regular season. They were actually better when they went small. So it's kind of interesting to see which way uh, Spolstra will go most of the time. You know, he may start, you know, one unit and then play, you know, he may start big and play mostly small, or he may start small and play mostly big. And the Thunder have that ability, too. I mean, when they go small, they get really good offensively. You know, when they play um, either Collison or Ibaka and, or Perkins at center and, and then play, you know, Durant at the four and then two more wings and a point guard, or, or another wing and, and Fisher and Westbrook out there together, they get really ridiculously good offensively. And um, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, which team adjusts to which as far as the lineups are concerned, as far as playing big or small. There's lots of, you know, there's lots of different, you know, lineups you can throw out there for each team, and it'll be, uh, that'll be the interesting chess match. That'll be the thing. When I'm looking through the numbers after each game, it'll be sort of to see, you know, which teams, you know, how many minutes did they go small, how many minutes did they go big, who was, you know, which was more effective for each team, that type of stuff. John, we always spend so much time, you know, studying these series, and then you get into them and realize so much of it is going to be, you know, which team plays with the kind of raw emotion and, and is able to kind of harness that, all that energy that you have and, and kind of, sustain it when that when all of that adrenaline wears off do you do you see the heat having the sort of gas in the tank and not just lebron and d-wade but mike miller battier haslam chunk those other guys do you do you see them having enough gas left in their tank to carry it if lebron or d-wade doesn't play out of sight basketball because wade has had some struggles throughout this playoffs i mean can they can they get by with Wade not performing? Those other guys picking up the slack. I mean, it's um, you know, a lot of coaches will tell you it's a make or miss league, and you know, if the shots go in, I mean, you could play with all the energy you have in the world, and you could have all the gas, gas, all the you know the the gas in the tank that you could want, but sometimes the shots don't go in. I mean, that game yeah. six against Boston. I mean, right. LeBron. Yeah, he played great and had a lot of energy and was focused and aggressive. But, I mean, he hit a ton of shots from outside the paint, which isn't really sustainable. So it's, it's, it's not like, oh, LeBron's got to play like that every, uh, every game. It's impossible. You know, he can't, you know, he just can't shoot. You know, that was the most shots he made from outside the restricted area in his whole career, you know, and in any game. So it's like you can't. So I think it's. Yeah, there's a there's a energy aspect to it. There's sometimes mm-hmm. the shots go in, shots go out. There's an adjustment. Aspect. There's lots of different things that affect it. Um, not necessarily the energy, but I think the heat. That, I mean, that is. I think that's a bigger question as far as the heat having the uh, yeah, if the fatigue factor is definitely uh, more on the heat side of the the floor mm-hmm. than on on the on the Thunder side because one, yeah. the Thunder have had a, a longer break here. Um, to the Thunder a little bit deeper and the Heat, uh, you know, especially with LeBron playing uh, 45 to 48 minutes a game, you know, that's, they have a shorter rotation. Um, 
and definitely the fatigue factor could could play a part on their end of the floor more than the the Thunder's. Um, Seku told us that he already took the easy way out and uh, picked the <laughs> picked the Thunder in seven. You know, having home court advantage, figuring it goes all the way. How how do you see this series playing out, John? I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I really don't. I have no. I mean, I you know, I look at everything. You know, I try to figure out. You know, I look at their regular season matchups. Look at how they're playing. You know, where they're taking shots from, and that type of stuff. And I still have no idea how this is going to go. Um, I picked the Heat in six, um, and my guess is that they would win games two, three, five, and six, or something like that. But. Um, that's just a guess. I really don't. I really don't know. And I, I think the Heat are the better team. I think the home court advantage is t- is a little bit tougher to overcome in the finals than it is in the um, in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. But so that's that's. I'm, I'm just basically explaining why I, you could pick either way, and I, <laughs> I, I could. I have, I'd have no argument for you, really. So, um, but I picked the Heat in six, and and I just think. Um, you know, from what LeBron said yesterday and I, what I've seen from him in the first three rounds, I don't think he's going to uh, leave anything out on the floor like he did last year. I don't think he's going to, he, you know, he's going to go into the off season with as many regrets as he did um, last year in regards to the way he played and maybe not being as aggressive as he could be. Well, I'm picking the... Uh... I'm picking the Thunder and seven. I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction, uh, mostly because I like seven game series. That means I get to hang out at, at hotels with John yeah. Schumann and the rest of the NBA.com crew longer. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I know. We're coming back here for at least Game Six. I mean, I, I can't imagine either team winning this in four or five. I just don't. I just don't see that happening. Which of course means that's probably what's going to happen is somebody's going to <laughs> somebody's going to win four straight and that's it. <laughs> they, well, we know we know the the Thunder are capable of uh, yeah of putting together that sort of run and um, but I you know again I, I'm serious John I took the I took the chumps way out because I literally I like you I, I just don't know um, so I'm, I'm, I think it's like when in doubt. Go with the team that has the one inherent advantage we all know, and that's the, whatever that wild percentage is of home teams winning game sevens. Um, everything else to me is a crapshoot in this series. I, that, that would, that's what makes me nervous, but like a great nervous. Like a, we're going to see a fantastic series nervous. Like this thing could go either way every night, and it's going to change wildly on a daily, you know, on a daily basis. So right. I'm fired. I, I'm fired up for it. Uh, Shoe, I know you are. Lang, I know you are. So, um, without further ado, man, let's 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 get game one on on the on the board here and see what they're gonna do. Thanks, you. I'm we ready. Appreciate you. Um, yep. I'll see you in the lobby right, at whatever time we roll it. <laughs> All right. Appreciate. Later. Later. John Schumann, NBA.com's numbers man, and uh, does a little bit of everything. Appreciate him coming on, hanging out with us today, Lang. I. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stuck because I want it to go seven. I mean, that's the other part of it is I'm, I'm selfish. Right. I want seven of these things. I want seven games, and I want them all to be like game six and seven of the Eastern Conference Finals were, or game six of the West. You know what I mean? Like I want, 
I think we I think the we earned we earned the right to have this kind of basketball after five months of being nervous about not having a season at all. So I think it's going to be great no matter how this plays out. I, I picked uh, Oklahoma City in six. Um, no real reason behind that. I think home court advantage is going to matter. Yeah. Uh, in this series, but um, you know, if if Miami knocks this thing out, I, I'm not going to be shocked by that either. Um, I am curious to see how how these matchups work, you know, because I, I'm thinking the Thunder have Cephalosha and they can use him on either Wade or LeBron, really. And then, you know, where does Miami get points from, really? that That's, yeah. to me, going to be the big question. Um, and John kind of hit on that. they got to get something from Chalmers or Battier or one of those guys. So uh, that's what I'm going to be watching for tonight in these games. No question. Game one on tap at Chesapeake Energy Arena here in Oklahoma City. The finals, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Miami Heat. The, the finals prediction we all, we've all been waiting for. I know I predicted it in December, not knowing a thing, just kind of guessing blindly. But uh, it's good to be it's good to be right every once in a while. <laughs> I actually I had, I picked it too in the slam <laughs> that I wrote back in December. I had Miami and Oklahoma City in the finals. So yes, yes, it's good to be right for once. Um, all right, well, listen, we're going to tune into it. Everybody check it out. Uh, the finals, games one and two this week from Oklahoma City, and then we're heading to Miami on the weekend. We'll talk to you next week from Miami. Lang, we got business to handle in Miami. You need to get find a way to be in Miami next week, my man. i got to go hand out these social media awards, so we got to figure uh, out. Yeah, we're going to have to figure something out, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks again to our guests, Darnell Mayberry of the Oklahoman and John Schumann of NBA.com. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 